also receive your ice creams. During the pre previous conference in JB, we finished up to Chapter 5. And if we divide Hosea into two parts, we will start from, we can put chapter 1 through 3 in one section. And chapter 4 to 14 will be the next, the second half of the section. And if we divide the second part into another two sections, then chapter 4 through 11 will be one part. Because in, chapter, in verse 12, it talks about how uh, Hosea, Hosea prophesied about Jeroboam II. <clears throat> so chapter 4 through 11 talks about the first prophecy of Jeroboam, and then the second half talks about after uh, King Jeroboam. And Hosea was one of the uh, first generation of prophets of the Lord. And he was one of the first person, first prophets to record his prophecies. And the so according to the time period of his activity, he would be regarded as the first generation of prophets. And in a way, he has opened up the path of prophecy. And Hosea has a great influence uh, on the on the in the New Testament as well. Especially Hosea has talked about our relationship with the Lord and the pillars of what this relationship is built on. So chapter one through eight talks about our relationship with the Lord. <clears throat> And in the end, he also prophesies about our, our holy wedding with, uh, with, the, with the young lamb. And that prophecy is written in John. And Apostle John got those prophecies from Hosea, from the influence of Hosea. And also Hosea talks about how the relationship that God has with Israel is also a relationship between the king and his people. God is the God that reigns over Israel. He rules over Israel. And God calls Israel to be his people. And this is a very important concept in, in uh, theology. As I have been serving the Lord and pastoring for the past 20 years, I have said this numerous times. The church is not built upon pastoral ministry, but rather it is built upon uh, sovereignty. God needs to reign. He needs to reign in the church. If you don't understand that, then the pastors or your pastors will work very hard to take control of their churches. No, you have to allow the Lord to reign in your church and allow Him to build your church up to His level. Why are your uh, church members not changing? Why are they not becoming better? It's because you, the, the head pastor, you don't understand what this sovereignty means. You cannot, you don't believe that wherever you are, you're under the reign of the Lord. 
You only seek out the Lord when you come to the church building. But that's not the case. Wherever I go, no matter where I am, I, I am enveloped by the Lord's presence. And that's why I can <clears throat> allow the Lord to reign through me in wherever I go. So just listen to me as you enjoy your snacks. Open up your ears. And if you really desire to, if you want to have one more, then I, I sh I'm sure they have extras too. Can they have two? Do you have any left? There are some people there uh, that have raised their hands. Please give them some. So let's continue. So now we're talking about the Lord and His people. And also the Lord calls Israel as His son. And to be a son means we are brought into His sonship, so we have become His heirs. In Greek, the word for child is, or the word for son is huios. And that word contains the meaning of inheritance. You are an inheritor of your father's uh, kingdom. And if you cannot believe this, then even if you attend church, you will not have joy. Because you come to church as if you're coming to work, or you're, you come to church just to receive a salary from the Lord so that you can survive uh, the next week. But you have to be sure that when you are a believer of the Lord, you have become His son. You are an inheritor. You are His heir. This is completely different from just being a Sunday Christian. There are some of you, and there are many people in the world that just attend church out of habit. And people like them, they lose the joy of the Lord. But we are all inheritors, we are all heirs. And because you are heirs, God has sent His angels and heavenly hosts to aid you. Because you are heirs to His kingdom. And so your authority is completely different. And your prayers are an official request of a royal, uh, royal son of the Lord. And that's why the Lord cannot uh, take lightly your prayers. Let's say I ask the Lord, Lord, give me the whole universe. I want to own the whole universe. Then the Lord will not just sh uh, shrug off your prayer requests. Because no matter what I pray, the Lord always receives me seriously. And He will grant you your, your prayers. He will respond to your prayers. But the thing is, it may take some time for Him to respond to you or give you the things that you need because you are not spiritually ready to re receive it. But nonetheless, He will surely, surely respond to your prayers and give you what you prayed for because that is an official request that was made by our royal being. You need to believe in this. You need to believe in this amazing promise. How can you not... The reason why you are powerless is because you don't believe in this fact. And it's, it is the same for the church as well. 
A church is an assembly of these royal beings. And your churches are, are the same as well, so you don't have to take accountability. You don't need to be responsible for your church. Do not try to control it. Do not try to own it. Allow the Lord's sovereignty to come upon your churches. And it is impossible for the church to fail. And if you have failed, if your churches have failed, then that means you have not allowed the Lord to reign over your church. church is never ignorant. The Lord's church is never out of money. They're never, they're, they are never uh, debted to the world because they are under the reign. They are under the sovereignty of the Almighty Lord, Almighty God. And so there's no limit to their power. There's no lacking in their, in their, in their um, abundance. <laughs> God right now, He is seeking out His glorious churches that are going to exceed the power of the early churches. And now the whole world is going to plummet deeper into a state of poverty. The Antichrist is going to starve everybody. But through Joseph, the Lord prepared Egypt for the upcoming seven year of, 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 of droughts. Likewise, through his remnants, the Lord is going to bless his remnants as well. They will, not, they will experience pros, uh, prosperity in the midst of these tribulations. And that's why right now, even though the, the economy is, uh, is crashing, we are spending more money in these, in these conferences. We're spending more money in, in our mission, mission fields because we know that there's no, there's no limit to the bank account that God has given us. And this is the blessing that God has given to His church. Those who are obedient to His gospel, God does not limit His blessings. God does not withhold anything from those who have received His truth. And I know that is the heart of the Lord. And that's why I'm gathering up all those who are humble in spirit to receive this gospel. In Africa, in, in Central America, we are, we are raising up the remnants over there, or the young adults to be remnants over there. And next year, in March, we are going to be inviting all of these young adults all around the world to come over to, to Korea to be trained. And we don't have money to, to support them right now, but it doesn't matter because God is going to bless us. So that's why I in, invite everybody. So once again, God is responsible for His church because we are His heirs, because we are His son and daughters. And Hosea knew exactly what this meant when, as the first generational prophet. And even these three reasons, uh, you can tell why the book of Hosea is so important for us. And Pro Hosea prophesied many things that are happening to our contemporary, to contemporary world right now. For example, he prophesied about the, 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 the perishment, the parish of worship. And that's exactly what happened during the pandemic. The churches closed down, they no longer gave worship. So there are many prophecies in this book that are coming true. So that's why this is such an important book. 
And Hosea was a prophet that knew the righteousness of God. And he believed in the power of the precious, precious blood. <clears throat> he believed in the precious blood of the Messiah that was to come. And he commanded Hosea to marry an adulterous woman of Gomer. He said, receive her. And he didn't give her him Gomer just to, to, to tolerate her, but to serve her, to receive her, to embrace her. And the reason why he was able to do that was because he has received the Lord's righteousness. And Gomer shows a lot of the characteristics of Israel. And every time they betray the Lord, every, day, every time they turned against the Lord, he still received them with love. And he, he, he gave him his righteousness. And why is this righteousness so important? It's important because it gives us the right, it gives us, gives us the privilege to go before the, thr uh, the throne of grace. And it also gives us the right to become his holy bride, the holy bride of the, the young the, of, of the Lamb. In Revelations, it says, "Blessed are those who who wash their 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 um their uh, their linen garments every day with the precious blood." That's why through the precious blood, our, our, blood uh, our sins are cleansed, our sins are erased. And even though that happened in the New Testament, the, Jose was able to foresee that through his prophecies before. So I've spoken of many things up until chapter 5. And it was a year ago, so I'm sure most of you forgot what I talked about before. So let's recap. I'm not sure how, uh, if we will be able to finish Hosea this time. But, um, if I don't finish, then I guess I'll have to come back to Malaysia again to finish Hosea. So I'm going to try my best to finish it anyways. So let's try to finish chapter 6 today. Chapter 1 through chapter 11 talks about uh, Jeroboam II. And during the previous conference, during the introduction, I talked about this. Back then, Israel was divided into two parts, the northern Israel and the southern Judah. The northern Israel was controlled by Jeroboam II, and southern Judah was controlled by Uzziah. Uzziah? And this was when Israel was the largest in its geographical size. It was larger than the, when, when David was king. And Israel had a lot of influence uh, to their surrounding nations as well. The reason why they were so prominent was because the Lord has bound the power of Assyria that is located on the northern side of Israel. But the amazing thing was, Judah was a very rich, rich country. But that didn't that that strong nation, that rich nation, didn't last 30 years. 
and historically speaking, that was very improbable for for a nation to 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 die so fast. When we think about their political influence around the surrounding countries, it, it was not probable for them to fall so fast. But that was the reason for their fall was the fulfillment of the Lord's message. This is how powerful His word is. And it is the same for Babylon. When did Babylon fall? It's during the rule of King Nagos. That was the second revival of Babylon, actually. Do, do you know how strong the fortress of Babylon was? When other countries came to attack Babylon, they were not they were not able to penetrate their walls. And that was how powerful and how fortified they were. But in one day, in one instance, that whole empire fell. In Isaiah, it, it says that flowers may wither and rivers may dry, but the word of the Lord will never uh, lose its power. When God says you will, you will be destroyed, you will be destroyed. Even if you're healthy today, if the Lord tells you you're going to die tomorrow, you're going to die tomorrow. And I have experienced this for myself. Three people died through my proclamation. On the other hand, there were some people that were brought back to life because of my proclamation. So this is the, 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 the magnitude of the words and of the proclamation of the Lord's servants. So first of all, the first attitude that we should have regarding the word of the Lord is uh, a fear of it. We need to have a fear of the Lord when it comes to handling his gospel. You should not look down. You should not mock the Lord uh, and, and blaspheme against the word of the Lord. You need to receive it with a fearful heart and with care and caution. So who is a faithful person? A faithful person is a person that is able to receive the word of the Lord. Whenever people come to my church or our church, I would ask them, do you have a calling to this church? And it may take, time, take some time for them to receive their calling, but only when they have received a calling to this church may I do something for them, may I minister them. So at first, when somebody comes to this church, I will not allow them to do anything. I will not let them do any ministry until they, they have this confirmation of their calling to the church. And where does this calling come from? It comes from their ability to, able to, their ability to receive the Lord's message. And amazingly, this is happening in all the churches of Zoe ministry around the world. Only those who are able to receive the truth by faith are invited, are called to the Zoe ministry churches. If you're unable to utilize your faith, then you will not be able to walk with us. And many, the problem with many of the pastors over the world, all over the world is they have learned theology. They have gone to seminary school. And so they have too much things in their minds. And they try to use the, the truth that I have spoken to, to aid their ministry. And those pastors have all gone, come and gone before. But the 
reason why I like the pastors of Africa and I like the pastors of Central America is because they have not gone to seminary school. They don't have a theological background. And so when I say something, they just receive it as, as it is. And they have no issues of receiving the Lord's message at all. They just receive it 100%. And it is very amazing to see how God is able to work through them because they're so, they're able to absorb the message without any hindrance. And this is why I, don't, I do not like uh, theology. Because theology is a study of the Lord. But how can you learn about the Lord? How can you put the Lord into... How can you logically explain who, what God is? So when you excel in, 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 in seminary school, it means you're going insane. And you guys have to be thankful that your pastor was not influenced by by the by by the by by um, theology. <laughs> so let's look into look into chapter four through eleven. And overall, the re the reason for the judgment of Israel is. Is that Israel has turned to idolatry. They have been mixed, they have been uh, influenced by syncretism. You know, from, up until now, Israel has never really betrayed the Lord. They have compromised with the world. They say they want to believe in the world and also serve the Lord. And honestly, they're just saying they don't really want to attend church, but they are just going out of habit. But the, the thing that they really desire for is the world. But they still attend church out of habit. And they're a little bit afraid that if they stop going to church, that they're going to go, into, go to hell. This is the state of Israel right now. They're serving Baal, they're serving the world, but also serving the Lord. They're, they're serving the, the God of prosperity. They're going after the prosperity of the world. And this issue does not just belong to Israel 2,000 years ago, but also belongs to the, 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 the contemporary churches as well. If the church starts to go after the riches of the world, the thing that they lose is they lose the abundance, they lose the riches of the, of the kingdom of God. And they will, be, they will become, uh, they will lose sight of the Lord and continue to plummet into the wickedness and darkness. So it is important for you to not uh, look to the world for abundance and do not set your standards for prosperity uh, according uh, to, the, to the world as well. Do not uh, run after money because money is controlled by, by, by demons. It's controlled by the devil. And so if you hold hands with money, then you're holding hands with the devil and your life will be led to destruction by the devil. But no matter what situation you are in, if you continue to hold on to the truth and if you live by faith, then you will be blessed by the Lord and live, live in His abundance. 
and when you request something from the Lord, He will surely give that to you. You're constantly in a state where you can receive things from God. This is the prosperity of the Lord. This is the, the riches of His kingdom. But you chase after the riches of the world and you lose sight of the riches of the kingdom of God. But people who are spiritually poor, people who are spiritually poor have a difficult time uh, understanding this, this principle. When I first met the Lord, I was broke. I was broke. But never once did I lose, uh, run out of money. Never once did I have to starve. Because I resolved all the issues that I had with the Lord. He fed me. He clothed me. He took care of my family. And that, he trained me in that way 33 years ago when I first met him. And that's from then on, never once did I doubt his abundance. Never once did I fall out of the prosperity of the Lord. And so never was I concerned about the financial uh, stability of, of our church. And I spoke the same message to the, to, the, to the congregation of Africa as well. I said, it's true that you don't have money, but you should not, the pastors do not get a second job because you don't have money. And I told them, stop your ministry if you, need, if you have to work. Give up being a pastor if you need to go and get a second job. Because what point is there serving a Lord, serving a God that does not take care of you? I told him to go home, but none of them went. And I knew exactly who had other jobs. But hopefully they repented and quit their jobs. So the essence of this is you need to know what your calling is. If God calls you to, a, to be a pastor, then he's going to take care of you and your church. So Israel has fallen into syncretism and they have uh, been polluted from within. And of course, since they are corrupted, their government is also corrupted as well. But rather than following after the Lord, they, have been, they are following other powers, other stronger nations, because they have because their standards have been set to the standards of Babylon. This is the dangers of Babylon. You need a lot of things in Babylon to be successful. You need power, you need wisdom, you need intelligence. You need money. You need to have a lot of power and strength. And if that same concept is given to the church, then people start to respect church members who are powerful, who are successful. But no, the gospel belongs to those who are poor in spirit. Without being poor in spirit, you're going to have a relationship with the Lord. Because God listens to the prayers of those who are humble. God has given you a lot of things. But people of the Lord will learn how to empty those things that God has given them. And they maintain a state where they're, uh, they're living according to the things that God has given them and, and not by other things. So that's why when you have this relationship with the Lord, whether you have money or not, it does not affect you. 
you will not be shaken by the presence or by the presence of money. And people who have watched me for the past 20 years understand what I'm talking about. In reality, I am poor, but there's nothing that God cannot do through me. And this is the image of those who live according to the Lord. This, and this is what it means to live with monism, monoism. But the world wants you to live in, a, in, in dualism. Monism means you're, 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 you're chasing one thing. And so when you're chasing after the Lord only, uh, the Lord and Him only, then you'll you only be focused on your calling, what God has called you to do, what He wants you to do right now. But when you live in a dichotomy, you're following after many, many different things. You're following after idols, you're following after other gods. Look at the pastors of, of Korea. Their goal is to, be, to build a big church, to gather as many people as they can. But they don't understand what calling is. And strictly speaking, or biblically speaking, the size of the church is actually decided by the, the, the capacity of the head pastor. Is the head pastor able to pray for each, uh, every single individual member of the church every day? Look at how shepherds take care of their flock. They call upon the name of each sheep every day. And me as well, I pray for every single church member every day. I call them by name, by name in my prayers. So I'm not trying to purposely pray for a long time. It's because I, I have to pray for every single individual member that, that my prayer takes so long. And not just this church, I have to pray for uh, the church members of, of all the Zori Ministry churches as well. So the number of people in the church is, is decided upon the prayer life of the head pastor. If a, if a pastor is able to pray for a thousand members, then he, he's rightfully able to uh, 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 fill up his church to a thousand people because he prays, prays for them every day. But if that's not the case, then there's no reason for you to increase the numbers in your church. This is the biblical e ecclesiology. If, if you don't know the name of your sheep, then that, cannot, that sheep does not belong to you. There are some pa pastors that cannot even pray for 20 church members. And that pastor does not deserve to have 20, 20 um, church members. And you shouldn't follow after those pastors. And these pastors, uh, truthfully speaking, they do not have a calling to be a pastor. And of course, we're not praying out of obligation. But as a pastor, a duty has been given to you to serve your church members and to lead them. And that's why you cannot, you cannot rest your prayer life. Every day, as the shepherd calls upon each sheep and checks their condition, you, as the head pastor, must also pray for your church members by name and check their conditions. And I don't know why I'm talking about this right now. Well, let's move on. Mm -hmm. 
So chapter 4 through 11 talks about the re, uh, this judgment that Israel has fallen to idolatry. Isaiah, uh, Isaiah was active in B, from BC 750 to BC 2022 until until the death of, of, of his king. And he's a very important prophet. He was the first generation prophet. And he opened the doors of prophecy to, to Israel. And that's why he continues to have an influence upon uh, into the new into the New Testament. So since Hosea was a very important prophet in biblical history, his book is also very important for us as well. So let's look from uh, verse 1 through 3. And since it is the first day, hopefully we can uh, end briefly. And people have come from afar and you guys must be tired. Or maybe uh, people from JB can return to their rooms faster because they have come the farthest. Who's farther, uh, Penang or JB? Is, is Penang further? Are they all the same? Are they the same apparently? No, truthfully speaking, Korea is the farthest, so you guys have nothing to say. <laughs> so um, uh, a lot of different churches have come today, so let's introduce them. Hong Kong, people from Hong Kong are here, right? China. Let's applaud them. And JB, Johor Bahru, Penang, and Sabah, Sabah, KL, is it? Singapore. I'm going to go to Singapore after this conference. And I'm going to have to preach there as well. And uh, anybody else? And also we have some uh, natives. So let's also welcome them as well. <clears throat> and the rest are from Korea, right? So not a lot of people have come from Yorgong Church, but a lot of people have come from the, the rest, um, the other Zori Ministry Churches of Korea. 130 in total, I think. So since you're eating a lot, please offer a lot of money. <clears throat> Is that everybody? So there's a lot of people here. Naharaktu? So there's a region, another region in Sabah called Naharaktu, is it? But they're, they're here as well. So you're all Malaysians in the end, right? So welcome. 
I think in total we have around 450, 450 people. So let's thank the Sabah Church for hosting us in this conference. Let's begin. Let's look from chapter ver, uh, verse 1 through verse 3. This is an anticipation or an expectation that the Lord had for Israel. Verse 1. Come, let us return to the Lord. Verse 1 through 3, it seems like Israel is speaking. But actually, this is the anticipation that God had for Israel. But Israel is not is unable to repent in this way. And God is expecting Israel to repent right now. He's expecting to, to for, for Israel to repent through the through his prophet Hosea. And this is our relationship with the Lord. God does not bless us. He does not save us because we are ready, because we have prepared something. If that was the case, then our relationship with the Lord is not a relationship of grace. This is very important. Why is it important for us to live in a life, uh, live according to grace? Because if we do not live in grace, then everything that we do and everything that we receive has to come from our effort, come from our work. And the upsetting thing is many of the churches around the world are falling into religion because they do not know what it means to live by grace. Look at the early churches. Or look at... Look at Galatians. Paul says to the Galatian church, if you do not live by grace, then you are cut off from the Lord because the foundation of our relationship with the Lord is, is built upon grace. Look at salvation. Are you saved because you are righteous? What is the condition for righteousness? Are you righteous if you are, uh, if you are good looking? then most of you have to despair because most of us are not good-looking. Are you saved because you have a lot of money? No. And the fearful thing is, if your, connect, if your relationship with the Lord is, stops, then your, your faith life will become like this. Everything falls into religion. Everything falls into legali legalism. Because you live by your own righteousness, then you live according to your own works. For people who believe in this relationship of grace, what is what is the image of their spirituality? They do not move if the Lord does not move. This is a rule, this is a principle. If, if God does not give them something, then they will not try to achieve that through their own strength and through their own understanding or uh, experience. Look at David. If God did not move, then David did not move. He would stop because he knew if he moved without the Lord, he would die. 
And that's why the Lord always responded to the prayers of David, because God also knew if he did not respond to the prayers of David, then he would die. But when you fall into religion, or when you fall into, when you fall out of the grace of the Lord, if God does not give you something that you prayed for, then you, you would not stop there, but you will try your best to achieve that, get that for yourself through your own strength or through your own uh, experience. And many of you are pastors here. Living with the Lord should become simpler and easier as the years go by. Your, but simultaneously, your pastoral ministry should also become simpler and easier. And it's not because you become more familiar with the task that it becomes easier. But it's because you, the more you live with the Lord, the more you throw away, the more you give up. And so it becomes simpler for you because you allow the Lord to come and, 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 and minister your church. There are some people that, that if they have to finish 10 tasks, they would, they would complete those tasks through their own strength. But people who live by grace, maybe they will just do, do one or two, one task because the rest will be taken care of by the Lord. I'm not talking about this great level, a uh, high level of spirituality, but this is the foundation. This is the basics of our relationship with the Lord. You need to believe in what, the, what Jesus Christ has done for you, what He has achieved through His sacrifice. If not, then you will fall into religion. And people, religious people, they would, they would think that they, are, they feel fulfilled when they pray for a long time, when they have done a lot of good deeds. Our relationship with the Lord is not dependent upon our, 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 our deeds, our works. I have six kids. And the reason why I feed them, the reason why I give them allowance is not because they have done something great for me. Ask them. They have not done much for this family, to be honest. <laughs> and now that they're all grown up, they're finally starting to help with this ministry. But when they were younger, they were just, they never uh, listened to me. They were, they were a nuisance rather than helping out in, uh, helping out in the church. <laughs> But of course, I'm very thankful for all six of my kids, and I'm regretting not having more kids because their their existence itself is beautiful, and they are my they are my children, they are my offspring, and of course I would nurture them, of course I would pour my love for, out for them, of course I would give them allowance, and that is the same for the Lord as well. We have become his children through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And so he gives you, he blesses you, he gives you love and he gives you grace. Not because of your deeds, but because you are his children. And when, when people come to our church for the first time, they will be put into a, a leadership program for a year. And the reason why they have to go through this program is because it takes time for them to learn about the basics of spirituality. 
And the reason why we, we made this program is because other churches, the churches that they have attended before, they do not talk about this life of grace. They do not teach the people to live by grace. And so they, people who come to this church for the first time, they need to go through this program in order to learn how to, to, to follow the basics of our spirituality, to build a, stir, uh, a sturdy foundation. Everything was given to us by grace by the Lord. Your salvation, your children, your lives were all given to you through the grace of the Lord. But why are you trying to complete it? Why are you trying to uh, receive more through your deeds and through your actions? And uh, many heretics and many false prophets came to the church of Galatia and preached the wrong things. And that is exactly what is happening in the contemporary churches as well. Many leaders, many, many uh, prophets are speaking, spreading the false truth into the church and polluting it. So listen carefully. The heretics that came to Church of Galatia spread their, 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 their gospel to the church members. And the church members were influenced by them. And without them knowing, they became heretics themselves. They polluted the truth. But now we have to revert that. We need to come back to the truth. We need to learn what this relationship of grace is. But people who do not know this relationship of grace, it is it would be easier for them to receive salvation if you if you give them a task to complete. For example, like folding a thousand paper cranes. If God said, if you fold a, a, a thousand paper cranes, I'm gonna save you, then then people who are living in religion, it would be, be easier for them to follow after that task to receive salvation. But people who live by grace just receive salvation instant, in, instantaneously because it does not go through their brain. It does not go through their thoughts. They are able to receive it immediately in their spirits. And many of you may ask, then, is my salvation problematic? And it's different for all of you guys. Some of you have received salvation correctly, but it was mixed. It was it was uh, polluted by the enemy. But some of you have not received salvation correctly yet. So tonight, in this time, in this first session, you need to confirm how to live by grace. You need to learn how to live according to the things that God has gives to you. Let's continue.
So verse 1 through 3, even though Israel was in no state to receive the salvation, God is saying, I have prepared all this for you. So let's look into it. He says, come, let us return to the Lord. God is, God is saying, come out of that place of sin. So like I said before, everything is given through the grace of the Lord. But people, so people who receive that grace, they know that their free will has to face toward the Lord. Because even if God tries to give you grace, if your free will rejects that, then you will not be able to receive it. So everything is given by the Lord. But it's up to you, it is up to your will to receive it. So if you reject His grace, then you will not be able to leave that place of sin and wickedness. And you won't be able to face the Lord. So grace is given to us by God. But it is up to you to decide whether or not you're going to receive it. Because God has given you free will. And why did He give you free will? I have said this many times before. It's because this is the condition of love. So his husband married her. Let's say his, her husband said to her, from today you have to love me, you have to listen to me and follow my orders. Let's say he forcefully married her, then that is not love. But let's say her husband said, her husband said to her, I love you, do you love me? And then this is a, 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 a love that comes from free will. It is a voluntary love. And that is the same, uh, same free will that God has given us. Free will is very important. It's one of the very important is, is a very important factor when it comes to our relationship with the Lord. And this is why God says we are made in His image because He has given us His image and He Himself has free will and that's why we have free will as well because we are made in His image. We have a choice. We are able to choose whether or not to receive what is good and what is evil. It's very important in the formation of, of humankind. Let's say your free will is corrupted. Free will is corrupted. Then, then you have to continue to try to face the Lord. And the more you do so, the, the more you will be able to push away the... the, 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 the you will lessen the power of, of your old self so that you can face the Lord without any hindrance and any obstacles. And after some time, it will, it, will, it will be very easy for you to um, uh, receive the Holy Spirit and to continue to follow the Lord. Some of you have a lot of energy within you that is rejecting the Lord. Those people, it is very difficult for them to obey the Lord. Uh, 
it will take a lot of time, it will take a lot of energy for them to, to face the Lord, to meet the Lord. Maybe it will take the, the whole entirety of this conference for them to get a glimpse of the Lord. And people who have a lot of their old, uh, who have a lot of their own strength, it's very difficult for them to follow the Lord. So, anyways, all is it all is given by the Lord. So it is your decision whether or not you want to receive it from God. God has prepared a perfect scenario for you. I have talked about this when I talked about Joseph. All we have to do is uh, receive that scenario, receive that plan, and follow after it. In Galatians chapter 22, it says exactly what this is. I have seen the Lord, I have bared the cross, and so it is not me who is living anywhere, but Christ lives, but, but, but Christ who lives in me. People who have Christ within them, they know how God is leading them. They can see where God is leading them. They can see their next destination. And since they see that plan, it is their choice to receive that plan and follow after it, to receive it in faith. And if you do so, then you will follow along the perfect and the best plan that God has prepared for you. So God's, in, God's intention for creating humankind was not for us to become rich, for us to become powerful, for us to become successful. It is for us to become like Him, for us to become His uh, gods with Him. And that cannot be achieved by, by your efforts and by your own strength. Only when you face the Lord, only when you face towards Him, will you be able to become like Him. Because when you face Him, all the things that He has prepared, His, his own essence will be given to you. So that's why in 2 John, it says, face the Lord. Face the Lord and see the light that shines from the face of the Lord. And only when you do so will the image of the Lord be completed within you. So that's why I say living with the Lord is not difficult. And the reason why it may become difficult is because your standards have been set uh, to the world. And when your standards are in the world, then it's, it is very difficult for you to become like God. But when you face the Lord, it becomes very simple. When you are able to take away all the energy that rejects the Lord from within you, then when God tells you to do something, you'll be fully obedient. On the other hand, when you know that this is not the will of the Lord, then it becomes very uncomfortable for you to do such an act. Because you know exactly that God is not, you know that God is not pleased with that action. For example, going through the movies, it is very difficult for me to go into a theater because I know that God is not pleased with me when I'm in that, in that place. The reason why living with the fullness of the Holy Spirit may become easier is, is because the more you live in that lifestyle, the more it becomes, the more difficult it becomes for you to not live according to the Holy Spirit. Because you know the standards of the Holy Spirit and you know what pleases the Holy Spirit. And so you would do your best to not, to, to not go against the Holy Spirit. 
you live with the Lord, the more painful it should become to, 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 to hold on to something else other than the Lord in your heart. Let's say, for example, you, you, you like somebody, you fell in love with some woman, and you hold that woman in your heart for, long, for months and months. God is not pleased with that. The Holy Spirit is not pleased with that because He does not like sharing that space with somebody else. On the other hand, let's say you hate somebody and you maintain that state of hatred for, for, for a long time. That, is, that should be impossible for those who are filled with the Holy Spirit. In the Bible, it says that you need to resolve your issues with your brothers before the sun sets. Because you cannot maintain that, that broken relationship with, your, with, with other bodies of Christ. So every starting point begins when you face the Lord, when you face the Holy Spirit. So, and this is not a theory, and this is not some sort of deep uh, philosophical concept. Christianity does not, does not require uh, deep thinking. All you have to do is live with the Holy Spirit and, and maintain that state. Many people, they don't live with, with the Holy Spirit, and that's why they chase after these, these uh, philosophies. They, they chase after these other uh, scholars. So God has bestowed, and so we have to receive it with our free will. And what happens after that? We are able to return to the Lord. And in Hebrew, the word for return is shuv. It is the same word for repentance. Like I said before, this, is, this means you're turning to the Lord, returning to the Lord. the Lord, you will, be, you will realize that you have been walking on the wrong path because the light has been shined upon you, you can see that the path that you were walking on was wrong. But when you're walking in darkness without this light, you will not know where you're going. So, so you need to face the Lord so that His light will shine upon you so that you can change your direction and, 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 and walk towards Him. Is it still there? From the feedback? Are they hearing the voice from my mic or from the speakers? From my mic? So you need to spend some time even when you face the Lord and let the light, light of God shine into you, it, it will take some time for you to resolve all the, issue, all the issues, all the weakness within you. And the Holy Spirit is going to help you through that process. But the important thing is, are you facing Him or not? 
So spirituality, the, the first, the most important thing is in, in your spirituality is to have a sensitivity to receive what comes from the Lord, to receive His light. Everything that has a spirit, when they face the light, they will be able to see themselves. They will see, oh, I have been in the wrong. Oh, this was evil? If you do not understand, realize this, then you are not standing in the light. Amen? Let's continue. So we need to change our direction. We need to come closer to the Lord and be in His light. He says, He has torn us to pieces, but He will heal us. Heal us. He has injured us, but He will bind up our wounds. So why are we able to return to the Lord? It's because He has torn us to pieces, but He will heal us. And He has injured us, but He will bind up our wounds. This is written in the past tense. This means He is not going to heal us when we return to Him. But He's saying, I have decided to heal you, so return to Me. The prodigal son has left the father. As soon as the, the son left, the, the father was waiting for the son to come back. The, the father did not say, I'm going to restore you when you come back. He says, I am prepared to restore you already before you have come back. Isaiah 24. He says, Isaiah... No. God says to Israel that when you return to me, I will, I will, I will uh, heal you and restore you. No, in that prophecy, he says, return to me because I have decided to restore you. So let's say God said, come back here and then I'll restore you. Then there's a lot of var variables that, that may happen in that, in that process of coming back. You know, the father may change his heart. Uh, the son might not be able to make it back and return. So there were, I had a friend who loved his guitar, but the father was not pleased with with his with the son playing guitar, and so he broke his guitar. He broke his guitar, and so the son left home because he was mad about it. And when the when the son when my friend left went the house, the father realized what he had done, and he went around the neighborhood calling out his the son of his uh, the the name of his son, saying, "My son, my son, come back home, for I have bought you a new guitar." But when he returned home, he received the biggest caning he has ever received before for leaving house. But of course, our heavenly Father is different. He has prepared everything for us to be for us to be restored, for us to be healed, even before we return to Him. It's not because of what we have done. It's not dependent on what we have done, what we have prepared. But it is up to Him. God has already decided for us to, for us to be restored. So that's why we need to rely on Him and, and understand His love. 
Never should you feel tricked. Never should you feel deceived by God. For 33 years, every time I prayed to the Lord, He never once said that I, I won't do that for you. Now that I look back, now that I look back, some of the prayer requests that I offered to the Lord made no sense. It was very, it was impossible. But the Lord never rejected it. He responded still and answered my prayers. And as time passed, I started to realize that all this was given to me through His, His amazing grace. Because that is our God. He, this is His unfathomable love and His unfathomable, unfathomable grace. He has prepared everything to give you. But the reason why you, cannot, you have not received it is because you have not returned to Him. So let's continue. Verse 2. After two days, He will revive us. On the third day, He will restore us that we may live in His presence. When we look at... In the original text, it says, after two days, we're on the, after two days, well, actually, the English translation seems pretty accurate. accurate. So both northern Israel and southern Judah are, are destined to, to perish. But what is Hosea prophesying today? He's saying even though they, they may perish, they're going to be brought back after the third day. So they're not just going to have to endure through a little bit of pain and then be revived. No, Israel had to go, go through death in order to be completely revived and be restored. So what is resurrection then? There are many elements to resurrection, but, but one of them is so in the wilderness of Israel it's very dry most of the time but when after it rains these, these flowers and, 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 and plants will sprout from the ground and that's what Israel sees as restoration that's what Israel sees as resurrection it's coming back from, from death sprouting flowers when there was nothing on the ground and during so after World War II, it, it, the nation of Israel uh, perished from the world, but they reformed their nation in three years. Where, but how were they able to achieve this? What, what is their life source then? We know that this, uh, this is possible through the sacrifice and through the act of Jesus Christ. 
As you know, he passed away on Friday. He was nailed on the cross on Friday. And then he stayed in the tomb throughout the weekend. And he was brought back to life on the, on the festival of the first fruit. But this prophecy that, that um, prophesizes the, the act of Jesus was written 3,000 years before the birth of Jesus. So isn't it amazing to serve a Lord that is able to show us these prophecies uh, way before? So when we look at the after four uh, Middle Eastern wars, every time Israel was attacked, it was more probable for them to be destroyed, to, to perish from this earth. But every time they came back to life, and how is that possible? It's because their life source comes from Jesus. Their life source comes from God. And so that's why they're able to keep alive and continue to live and prosper. The only nation on this earth that will live for, that will go on for eternity is Israel, because that is the Lord's nation. They will never die. They will never perish. And it is the same for the church. Even the church, even though the church may be persecuted, but there's no force in this world that can completely destroy the church, because the church belongs to the Lord. Let's move on. In verse 2, that we may live in his presence. And living in his presence means living in eternity. Israel is going to live eternally before the Lord. We as well have to live before the Lord for eternity. People who have resolved the issue of eternity, nothing on this earth can, can, um, can bring fear upon us. Because we don't have to acknowledge another source, uh, another force. So that's why people who live in eternity have confidence. But if fear is present within you, then that means something is wrong with your spirituality. And that means you are not fearing the Lord. Because if you fear the Lord, you, you cannot fear anything else. But if you don't fear the Lord, then of course you will be able to fear something else. People who have resolved the issue of eternity, they have resolved the issue of death as well. In Hebrews 2, 4, is people who have, uh, who, who, who have, have caught the, the authority of death. They're able to strike, strike, strike the enemy, is it? And so our faith and our lives are decided by the Lord. If God tells us to live, we live. If God tells us to die, we die. Are you guys tired? Shall we end it here? And as you know, when, you, when I go to hold conferences in Central America, after experiencing that conference, whenever I come back to Asia, whenever I come back to Korea, I have a hard time. Why is that? And you will know if you have gone to Central America. When I say one word, people will stand up and say, Amen, and applaud, and respond with, with passion. 
But when I come back to Asia, when I preach, it's like you guys. Everybody's silent night, holy night. And it takes time for me to get used to this environment. So give me time so that I may get used to this kind of crowd. And when I went to Africa, at first they were like you guys. But starting from the second day, people started to stand up to praise the Lord and to say amen with a lot of, uh, with a lot of enthusiasm. And as you know, uh, people in Africa, some of them actually faint when they listen to this message because it, it comes to them so greatly. You will hear screams in the, in, in, during, the, during the service. And there are there also many people that fainted while uh, transcribing my, my, my messages because they, have, they started to receive it as, a, as, as revelation. And if you continue to respond in this way, my sermon is only going to become longer and longer. So it's up to you. Please respond. Verse 3. Let us acknowledge the Lord. So the word acknowledge has been coming up ever since chapter 4. In Hebrew, it's the word dart. And it comes from the root yada. And yada in Hebrew is ginosko. Uh, in Greek, it's gnosko. It means to know. And it also means to, to meet the Lord. And meeting the Lord means you're experiencing God. And Israel's strength comes from them knowing the Lord. It is very important and crucial for Israel to continue to encounter God and to meet Him. Because God is the God, then they, as they encounter Him, they realize that God is the God of love, that God gives, God is a graceful God. But people who do not have this experience with the Lord, they will live according to their reason and rationality. And in First John, I have said that the early church has been meeting has been uh, in fellowship with the dynamic of the triune God. And they continue to live in this relationship and experience the Lord. And that's why in the Bible, they use different prepositions for each God, for the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. To the Lord, they use the preposition pros. For Jesus, they use the preposition shin. For the Holy Spirit, they use the word meta. So the, the preposition shin is not used for God. And pros, likewise, pros is not used for, the, for, for Jesus. Pros is only used for God. For Jesus, it is shin. And all these prepositions meet, uh, mean with, by the way. And the reason why they understood what this dynamic meant is because they have been meeting, they have been encountering these, uh, the three tri the triune gods. So that's why they know the characteristics of each individual uh, face of the Lord. And 
and encounter how do you encounter the Lord? You encounter the Lord through His message, through His truth. In Greek, the, the word of the Lord is logos. And logos actually means scripture. So, but this scripture, this logos has to become rhema for you. It says, in Hebrews it says, when you receive the word of the Lord by faith, it becomes beneficial for you. So that when you receive logos, it has to become rhema. Rema means you're receiving exactly what, uh, uh, what the Lord wants you to receive in the right place in the right time. And in, in, in that, <clears throat> relating to this, the, Paul ex- describes the gospel as the truth. And simultaneously, he says, he calls the gospel his gospel because he has received the, the gospel of the Lord. He has digested it through Rema, and he's proclaiming it to the churches. And that's why he is, call, he is able to call it my gospel as well. So what I'm doing right now is the same thing. I'm, I have received this message in, with Rema, and I'm preaching it to you guys. And you guys have to receive it by faith and also receive it through Rema as well. And when the words that I'm preaching and the words that are within you start to come together and collide, that's when it forms a spark. And that's when this energy and this power comes from. Even though, even though the words that I'm speaking right now may seem unfamiliar, may seem new to you, God has already put all this message and put all this gospel within you right now. It's already within you. So what I'm preaching to you right now is not new. But through my preaching, through my sermon, you have to experience the gospel within you. So let's look at the overall picture of verse 1 through 3. So since Israel sinned, they have to return to God. And now we have to put in effort, we need to uh, start to acknowledge the Lord, press on to acknowledge the Lord. And acknowledging the Lord means facing towards the Lord. And when you face towards Him, He's going to come and meet you. Whether you are aware of it, of it or not, the new self is always, is constantly encountering God. But the reason why you have lost your inspiration, I have said this before, it's because the time that you maintain the state of the new self is so short. You do not have time to understand uh, the magnitude of encountering the Lord, and that's why you have lost joy, that's why you have lost inspiration. Let's say you maintain two hours of the state of the new self, then you will see how the Lord is able to work through you when you're in that state. The saints of the New Testament constantly pro- proclaim, describe God as an almighty God, all-powerful God. Why, is that, why did they do this? It's because they have experienced His power. So when you're in the state of new self, you're encountering God, you're meeting God.
And when you're in the state of new self, the Holy Spirit helps you to encounter Jesus. The Holy Spirit helps you to meet God. So you have to understand that the Bible is not a theory. This is life. This is living. This is living. This is power. This is authority. This is written through the, uh, through the, through the character of the Lord. So you have to receive this by faith. And once you do, you will start to understand God who is behind these words. And as you receive this message, as you substantialize it and activate it within you, you will, you will start to encounter God. Simultaneously, uh, uh, when you pray, when you meet the dynamic of the triune God, you will start to form a deeper relationship with them. And the more you do so, the more you will be able to activate and substantialize the message of uh, the word of the Lord. And within you, God has given you the, the uh, He has given you His message. He has given you the Holy Spirit, and He has given you His precious blood. And these three elements help you to maintain the state of the new self, so that you can continue to encounter God. And the more you maintain the state of the new self, the more you experience how these three elements within you help you to, 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 to manifest the, um, the, the, the work of the Lord. So you need, you need to actively spend more time with the Lord. Stay, uh, spend more time maintaining the state of the new self. One, two, one, two. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? One, two. Can you hear me? No? What about now? So like I said before, um, experiencing the Lord is not a concept, it's not a theory, but it is real. So let's not go into Romans because I have spoken about Romans before already. But the state of the new self is a the, the, the new self is constantly meeting the Lord. So let's uh, let's go back to the analogy of hatred. Let's say you hated somebody, but you're willing to let that go, and you let you allow the Holy Spirit to come into you and you maintain the state of new self, then the Lord and the Holy Spirit is going to help you to forgive that person and to love that person once again. So in every instance, we need to come before the Lord to receive from Him so that we can live a holy life. And a person that continues to maintain the state is, a, is able to pull on the presence of the Lord where, wherever He goes. Now look at yourselves. In 24 hours, in a day, how much time do you spend with the Lord? Is it less than five minutes? Are you constantly going back and forth between the new self and the old self? Then, then that's the reason why you don't have this inspiration. In Psalms 23, 
David writes songs. He writes songs depicting his, his wonderful experiences with the Lord. And the reason why he is constantly amazed by God is because he spends a lot of time with God. And the more he learns about the, the Lord, the more amazed he is. And also, it is the same with David. Because David spent a lot of time with the Lord, the Lord would speak all his mysteries and all of his secrets with David. And it's the same for us as well. To me, the Lord has unraveled the mysteries of the world. He has told me the secrets of, 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 of the world to me. In Amos, it says, Amos uh, 3, chapter 7, it says that God will not work uh, before speaking through his prophets. But why are there so many secrets between you and the Lord? It's because you're not ready to listen to his secrets or you're not spending time with the Lord and that's why, you're, uh, that's why he has no time to, to, to reveal his secrets to you. So this is the vision that we must all have. To have a deep and intimate relationship with the Lord. You need to have a, make up your mind to spend a, a lot of time with God. And your whole life will be turned around. Now, even if you, if, uh, your, your whole life will be changed, will be turned upside down after meeting the president or meeting a king. But how much more will your life be turned around when you meet the Creator? And we are so blessed that we have so many chances to meet the Lord. We meet Him in our worship. We meet Him in these conferences. We meet Him every time we come to pray. But is, why is your church powerless? Why is your church stale and static? It's because your church is not meeting the Lord anymore. Your church is not encountering God. The church should be filled with saints who are able to testify each and every day about something new that God has done for them, how God has transformed their lives. But if nobody is able to offer those testimonies in your church, then there's something critically wrong about uh, wrong with uh, the state of your church at this moment. And if you do not respond with amen anymore, I'm going to uh, extend this sermon. Hopefully you will be more expressive tomorrow. But today we will, we will go to... We will finish up until verse 3. We will finish with verse 3. And I have spoken about this before as well. But it says, let us acknowledge the Lord. According to the doctrine of the Lord, it is, you know, it is trying to understand the Lord, understand God. Israel has two names for God. One is Elohim, and the other is Yahweh, Jehovah. And Yahweh comes from Exodus. Elohim is the creator God. He's the creator that, that exists in Genesis chapter 1 through uh, 3. But starting from chapter 2, verse 4, 
it it caused the Lord uh, Yahweh from then on. So it was it was Elohim from the start, but it changed to Yahweh. So both these characteristics of the Lord come to uh, walk, walk together. So Elohim, Elohim is the is the all powerful God. When you were created, you were created by this powerful God. So we as His creation and we as His children should have nothing to do with powerlessness. The reason why you are powerless may be because you have not met this Almighty God. Maybe it's because you have not met Elohim. Simultaneously, we need to meet Jehovah. We need to meet Yahweh. And Yahweh is a self-existing God, self-dependent God. In other words, this God is, ha- is, is the God of relationship. Or in other words, He is the God of love. So, humans, we need to first meet the, uh, the, 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 the Yahweh God, the God of love, before we go on to <clears throat> Elohim, the God of power. But people are usually divided between the two. Some people are able to receive the Lord's love, but they, they do not know how to receive His power. And some people know how to, to utilize power in their prayer, but, 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 but when it comes to the love of the Lord, they feel it's very abstract. And there are many reasons why this may be, but one of the reasons is because you limit the Holy Spirit that is dwelling within you. We are able to receive the love of the Lord through the Holy Spirit. So without the Holy Spirit, we cannot receive His love. Secondly, it's be- maybe it's because your spiritual channel is very clouded. That may come from spiritual bindings, spiritual scars, and spiritual hurts and wounds. And if you have these things, then it becomes very difficult for you to also receive love from God because your channel is, is clogged. Let's move on to Elohim, the God of power. In order to, to, to know and learn of the God of power, you need to go through Christology. You need to go through Jesus Christ. Because only when, when you go through Jesus Christ can you come closer to um, the divine God. And this is not just another theory. This has to become your reality. You need to encounter Elohim. You need to encounter Yahweh. You need to meet the divine uh, divine Jesus as well. It feels like only Pastor Lee is saying amen to this message. If I'm going to give you a hint. A sermon is made, is completed by, by the both of us. When you receive it by amen, the message will come into you and it will be activated within you immediately. This is not just a one-man show. So let's quickly finish up verse 3. Let us press on to acknowledge Him. What does it mean to press on? It means to pour all of your strength and your might into this act. In Hebrews 4.19, it says, press on to go into, uh, make every effort to go into the Sabbath. Sabbath. 
So, we are blessed when we pour all of our strength, when we put effort to, 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 to the things of the God, to, to, to the things of God. But if you pour your strength into something else, when you pour your strength into the world, then your life will become very um, complicated and become very tragic. Uh, it says, as surely as the sun rises, he will appear. Uh, chapter 5 verse 15 it says then I will return to my lair until they have borne their guilt and seek my face this, this is what God says he's going to do after he judges Israel but as surely as the sun rises he will appear verse 3 this is written will appear is written in the imperfect tense which means that God is constantly coming to us it is not completed he is coming us coming towards us and since he's coming towards you what should you do you have to receive him this is the same as salvation and we need to receive prepare ourselves to receive the coming God and this is why I say living with the Lord is so easy. It's because I am not a person that moves according to my own thoughts and to my own understanding. But rather, I expose myself to the direction of the Lord. But because you expose yourself to, to other standards, that's why it is so difficult for you to follow the Lord. For example, the Lord said, go to Africa. Then all you have to do is, is, is let the Lord bring you to Africa. The rest will be taken care of by God. He will give you the money needed. He will give you the people that you need. And He will let you know the spiritual situation. So that's why it's so easy to live with the Lord, because He gives you everything. But if, let's say, you, you try to plan and prepare everything for, for yourself to go to Africa then how difficult would that be? How complicated would that be? So why are you doing that? So the message today is very important. God is constantly coming towards you. He comes to you like, 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 like uh, the light of dawn. Imagine if the sun did not rise tomorrow morning then the world will be destroyed. But surely as the sun rises, God is going to appear before them. And He's going to appear with all the things that you need. If you need money, He's going to give you money. If you need people, He's going to give you people. If you need power, He's going to give you power. And He's coming towards you with all these blessings. All, and what do you have to do? All you have to do is expose yourself to Him. Expose yourself to this grace and receive it. He will come to us like the winter rains. So before this, the land was dry. It was so dry that it was cracking. But Israel had faith. 
And what do you need for that lamb, lamb to come back alive? It needs rain. So Israel and you and we all need this faith that, that God is going to bring His rain upon our dry lands and bring life back to it again. Do not live by your possessions. Do not live with what, with what you have. Rather, throw those things away. All you have to do is hold on to, your, to His promise. Hold on to His promise that He will bring rain to you tomorrow. Hold on to His promise that He's going to bring you His glory. Because it is His promise that He's going to make you holy and blameless in His eyes. No matter how successful you may be, if you're corrupted, no matter how much money you have, it will fade away. It may, it may, it may become more, but it may become less. But the Lord's promise will never fade away. If God says He will bring rain tomorrow, it's surely going to rain tomorrow. In Hebrews, it says His, uh, his promise is, a, is, a, is an oath. So all the words that were written, all the words that were spoken by Jesus was all, is also an oath in the eyes of God. And so it will truly and surely be fulfilled, be fulfilled by Him, by, by, by the Lord Himself. And all we have to do is hold on to that promise and let that promise come into us. And that's why whatever you request from God, He will give it to you because you are holding on to His promise. So you need to hold on to this tremendous promise that God has given you. And look before the Lord that is, con that is coming before you and encounter Him. Let's pray.